Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Red Rabbit Insurance. As a real estate investor, I love working with companies and people who truly understand investing. If you're a real estate investor, I highly suggest talking to Ryan at Red Rabbit Insurance. Red Rabbit specializes in working with investors of all sizes, both for their personal residence, auto, and investment properties. Red Rabbit recently saved one of our investors $5,000 a year by switching to the exact same coverage. That's a down payment on a new rental. I personally saved 15% by switching to Red Rabbit, which is pretty significant. And Red Rabbit Insurance makes it super easy to get a quote. All you need is the address, your full name, and your date of birth. No annoying questionnaires to fill out, and Red Rabbit gets you a quote in less than a day. Email ryan at redrabbitinsurance.com or go to the website redrabbitinsurance.com or call 1-800-560-3015. That's redrabbitinsurance.com. Call today to save some money and get better insurance rates for your investments. What is up, guys? I am super pumped. I got, oh man, one of my favorite people in the entire world. He's building businesses, real estate investing, helping other people build wealth. Uh, and somehow keeps a smile on his face, keeps a lot of people happy, doing really cool stuff in a very tumultuous time. I just want to give a, a warm welcome to the Real Estate Hacker Show, Josh McCallan. Thanks for coming. Wow, wow, wow. Chad, I mean, this is great because you and I have done this before. We've been on each other's shows because we have a lot of the same ethos. We yeah. kind of look at the way worlds work and the, the way money flows in and out of businesses. And we both came up with the same word, hack, right? You know, so you do it. <laughs> we a, did independently, we, to be honest, uh, totally independent within like a month of each other. Uh, Josh Hold ha, has an amazing show, Capital yep. Hacking, that, uh, by the way, folks should definitely listen to if they're not already. It's funny, you know, I meet people all the time who were previous listeners to our show and then listen to your show. And and they go on and on about about your oh, show. Oh man, that's so it. nice of you. Yeah, yeah and so of course, and of course, to compliment your work, no one has done more in a shorter period of time to build an entire ecosystem around real estate hackers and meetups and podcasts and conferences. I'm so sorry you got interrupted on your mega national conference this year. Paused, not Paused. Uh, not canceled. Uh, but yes, we will be holding the real estate hackers conference in the future. Um, oddly enough. We have more interest, more interest now than we did before, which is, oh, which is good. fascinating that uh, there's like now this pinned up demand for I really want to meet people. Just tell me when I can and I'm there. So, Do you have a date? Uh, we are holding off the official date announcement no problem. until no problem. there is a line of sight. Of, uh, honestly, the, the biggest problem we have is it's, it's so many people that are going to be there that we just got to, you know, make sure there's no... Uh, Exactly. No issues. So either late fall or, or early spring. Uh, now that therein lies the most interesting topic we can talk about today, and that is business colliding with coronavirus and it's, the new it's protocols. A, it's a perfect uh, tie-in. So before we get into that, I want to give folks a quick intro for me if they haven't met you before. Um, could you maybe just give people sure. the, kind of like the the flyover view of Viva May? 
Sure. And, and kind of what Renault is and a couple of your assets that you've, you've taken over. Well, it, it is a blessing to be here with my buddy, Chad. Uh, we, we, uh, we've come across each other a lot because we're, we're crisscrossing spaces, as we said, podcasting, but our core business, uh, was always resort redevelopment. So this is where, uh, over the last almost decade, decade now, uh, have been involved as a minority partner sometimes. And now as a sponsoring partner where we buy something that is, has some unique intrinsic value for location or whatever. And then we buy it when it's pretty bad. It's in either functional obsolescence or full-on business distress. And we operate a whole turnaround program. That company has borne a brand called Viva May and this effort of restoring these historic properties and or gem properties. They don't actually have to be legacy historic. They have to be valuable, though. And we buy them distressed pricing, which, of course, you and I love because that's the number one strategy in real estate is make sure you pay below market. And number two is we change and add revenue streams, which allow you and I to force appreciation, which is a topic in and of itself. And I'll let you explain it some other time. But Viva May is what we do for a living. We, we, we bring this beautiful type of construction, but then we add this layer of service. And that's really where our heart is. Melanie and I, my beautiful wife, want to do something good for society. We want to show people genuine care and love. So that's why we build a hospitality company. Now, on top of that, there was this interesting thing that you've also identified, Chad, to do our life's mission, which is to love and serve in these form of hospitality. We also wanted to develop a investor hospitality business and we call it accountable equity. And this is where hundreds of families join us and invest with us side by side in accountable equity. So those are the ways we keep ourselves busy is we run this capital group that has this cool culture. We can talk about that some other time. And then we, basically buy and restore resorts. Viva May. Yeah, so that's, and, what, that's what we do. to be uh, clear here, we, I've personally now invested in uh, two of them. So Renault, as well as the next one that we'll talk to in a few minutes. Um, so we're, we're a fan. I think you, you know, when I sum this up, I always say, and I, I know this, I'm not the first person to say it, but you know, what someone does for a Burr deal when they buy oh, that Burr, multi-unit, yeah. right? Or single family home, and then they eventually refi it or whatever after kind of adding that, you know, value and, and increasing the income. Uh, that's kind of what you're doing. But instead of a $100,000 single family home, it's a five to $20 million wedding venue, resort, golf course, exactly. et cetera. As a matter of fact, the first cliche uh, branding of me was by Matt Faircloth and he called me the, uh, the hotel burr guy. You're yeah. right. And then that helped us uh, get to know the bigger pockets community because that is yeah. what we do. Buy, rehab, rent at a higher price, refinance with bank debt at a great mortgage rate, and then we uh, repeat the process. And I'll say you kind of glossed over something that I think is so key for the audience to understand, which is, and, and not often, I don't think real estate people do this very well. There pe- real estate people are good at numbers. They're good at construction. But you add something that's a little bit the actual the people side of this. Where like, True. hey, you probably should have a smile on your face and maybe life goes a little bit better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think you've probably read the books I've read. You know, I've read uh, the Dale Carnegie, How to Win yeah. Friends. And then yeah. I've read uh, Agmundino, really short little book. I hope everybody reads one time. I've, I've, not, I've not read the second one. The first yeah. one I have, and I, I, I'm with you on the smile thing, but I, the second one I haven't read yet. Agmundino, the greatest salesman in the world, takes two hours to read. And it goes through these principles of how to do commerce basically and how yeah. to do it with uh, 
with a sense of purpose. So, and of course, we've read Good to Great and all the kinds of things. And you know who we are? We're a big devotee of Patrick Lencioni, the guy who wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team and The Extraordinary Executive and all these elements that say business actually is personal. You know, we always say it's business, it's not personal. It is personal. And uh, we do kind of put the dignity of the person in the middle of all our, our companies. Yes, we do. It's awesome. I love it. Cool. So let's kind of use that to segue into the first, I mean, you, you've, you've managed other projects before, but Renault was your first, you know, project where you were a hundred percent raising the money, sure. running the project. You're a couple of years in, no one could have ever guessed that a year and a half in or however long we'd be hit with COVID. I think it'd be fascinating to kind of give people an update of how that first project is going in light of everything that's happened in the world the last six months. Okay, so Chad, you and I get to see video. I'm not sure if you post these videos, but are you looking over my shoulder right now on the virtual green screen? It looks beautiful. And if you're like driving down 95 right now, you don't see it, but it is just like a stunning, stunning on the water. The sky's like the perfect blue. And it's Renault. That's oh, amazing. it's it's the restored Renault. It's what you and I knew it would be when we bought it. Um, Talk the audience through both what you did with Renault, but then how how things changed with COVID. Sure. And how you had to react to that. I mean, you're you're running a stunning venue. You've got a bunch of different. You've got hundreds of weddings going on, and yet all of a sudden the biggest pandemic we've all lived through hits. And you've right. never, you know, so what do you do? How well, do you handle that? You know, Chad, ever since I've been on your show, I ended up getting invited on Bigger Pockets Business. So I, I've learned how to be super precise and business oriented in my answers. So so here's what here's the way we handled it and, and here's what was happening before, during, and now in the middle. First and foremost, we set up teams. So like you, Chad, you have companies and you have leadership within your various companies. This is a big paradigm shift for me. Um, And it's the same thing that any Burr person goes through that's buying a house. Do you run the real estate? Then do you run the uh, construction? And then do you run elements of it all, the marketing? Or do you partner and or hire a team? So from the beginning, when we launched these companies, Melanie and I knew that we have a goal of 100 resorts, significant amount of capital raised, thousands of families joining us and good investors. Therefore, it's a team-based program. So we put strong leadership in place. Now, I say that because at Renault, we have extraordinarily strong leadership. So as we were building up to the business, Corona had not yet hit. We had a construction team, and then we had an ops team, and then we had this kind of like development team where we, we created all kinds of new business, literally millions and millions of dollars in new business lines. And I think we sold $10 million dollars worth of weddings before Corona hit in our first year and a half. It's just unfathomable. Of course, wedding business, you sell it and it takes a year and a half to get the cash, but you get some of the cash right away. So while we were doing all that, we were exceeding, and thank the good Lord, we were exceeding all our sales goals. We were also struggling through construction. So to give it down and dirty, just like anybody wants to know, everything's not rosy. This building was 155 years old. Sounds beautiful. But it also means some areas had no foundation, some areas were built improperly, and some areas didn't meet code. So a lot more had to change than we wanted to change. All that being said, it's absolutely stunning now, and it's purpose-built, and it's healthy and clean, and a lot of green energy initiatives. It's really what you wanted in a, in a historic resort. Lost none of the charm. So the teams helped us. Right into COVID, we you remember it was that May, March, and uh, the world is all of a sudden shutting down. 
we settle on a three or four day meeting period where we talk about what should we do. Um, golf was allowed to continue. So we left our golf team intact, but all services other than that seemed to be shutting down. So we did an immediate furlough, which was the hardest day. And the reason we only, the only reason we did a furlough is because we had almost a hundred employees, many, many team members are part-time. Their work is serving, right? It's, it's actually making that bed or bringing that cheeseburger or serving that delicious bottle of wine. And if there's no way to serve or do, there's actually nothing for us to ask them to wait and do. Yeah. So it was, a, it was an unfortunate, clear choice we had to make. So we made that tough but clear choice. We stayed in touch with our team. So we did all that, and then COVID started. I mean, the, the real hunkering downs. Kids are off school. And it was during that time that we found out we were legally allowed to keep our hotel selling office open. So we kept our sales team. And we just tried to modify how we did our job. We went to a lot more online meetings with brides. And something changed during that time that really allowed Melanie and I to know our tr our phase two, can, what are we supposed to be doing now in the post-COVID world? Wedding sales increased. And this is such an outlier, such a shocker, that was, it was a shock to us, and it's a shock to our investors, and I'm sure that this is a very confusing podcast, but I'm going to tell you that we were selling multiple weddings a, a weekend day. Many upwards of 10 weddings sold a weekend sometimes, which is astronomical. Uh, we had already hit 330 weddings or something. Uh, maybe we were at right around 315 weddings right when Corona starts. Since then, we have sold 70 weddings. All right. By today, we may even have hit 75, and it depends when you're listening to this. Well, what's strange about hearing those numbers of 70, 75 is that's 20 to 5% more than we sold last year during the same months, and we were killing it last year. It's the number that a fantastically successful wedding hall sells in an entire year. 75 weddings is a very top-tier wedding hall. Um, that's a lot of weddings, and we could sold have, that could, during Corona. Pause you there. Could you have guessed that? Like, no. Like, like mid-March, no. this whole thing's hitting – you got to be having trouble sleeping at night, right? Yeah. Thinking, I just spent $10 million or whatever the rehab cost was building an amazing venue and my revenue is going to drop to zero. Right. And I'm not going to sell any weddings because who in their right mind is going to sign up for a wedding right now? Yeah. So that, of course, you and I know we were getting nervous by the TV. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a few weeks there where we didn't actually have tours and we did all the tours following all the guidelines and everything. We followed all the CDC rules. But the tours kept coming. Then we taught our team how to do virtual presentations and tours. And that also was successful. Not as, not as strong. I will be honest that the traditional situation is they do need to kick the tires and see the spaces. So they kept coming. I think, uh, I think we all predicted when we bought the business that weddings had a certain recessionary strength. They're not immune to recessions. I remember back when I was explaining the business plan to you even, I said, listen, Nothing's perfect, but we have two protections in a downturn. This is back when we were humming, right? Mm -hmm. The world was humming. We said two are, we're not trying to sell, even though we're building a four-star, pushing four-and-a-half-star property, really luxurious, we're only selling middle-class price points. That allowed some compression in the downturn. And then two, we're selling so many spaces, and we're selling them not to locals, but to Manhattan people. So we're even cheaper in their perspective. And it's weddings, so it's a little different than social gatherings or um, 
corporate gatherings. And at the time, I never would have predicted that corporate gatherings would go to zero. Now, that's not core to our business. It's a, it's a nice to have in our business. Mm-hmm. Um, ours is core on weddings. And weddings have been extremely resilient. Now, we predicted it, but we didn't expect this resilient. It's amazing. It really is amazing. Uh, I mean, is part of this also like good culture overcomes bad situations? Well, I mean, I, I know, Chad, you've been phenomenal at supporting us. You've even brought your team down to to, 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 to hear how we we're doing our trainings and why our service staff are exceptional and recorded as some of the best on the Internet right now. You, you read the reviews. It's amazing. We appreciate your support of our service. Our service is genuine. Um, I do think that helps. There are comments. If you read the not.com, which is the most important website for wedding people, you will read a crazy consistent comment. And that is that even the staff that are not in weddings congratulated me. Um, and we do actually train on that. We say, we ask everyone to thank the bride and groom who are on their tour for considering us. And I'm going to tell a quick story that I think people need to hear. I think it's just, it's emblematic of what you build. And I think anyone trying to build a company, anyone trying to build anything in real estate needs to hear this. So, uh, and we're going to get to Kent Manor next, but we were, we were, I was actually there um, looking at the Kent Manor property with you and your team and your team, someone from your team saw a bride come by, potential bride. So not even, not even a bride. It wasn't even her day. Potential bride and said with a big smile on his face, congratulations, you know, can I help you out? Do you know where you're going? And, and your team didn't even own the property yet. Like, true. We, you just, just doing a walk around the property, like as a potential buyer, and there your team is helping them. And when you said, yeah, that's kind of like what we do here, the response from your team was, yeah, it's like this, actually, this property needs some more Viva May in it. Needs, you know, some, some juice. Some soul, um, some soul, brother. Some soul, yeah. And I think, like, that's interesting, right, is, like, I think one thing we've seen from COVID is certain companies are actually doing better than they were pre-COVID. Some are, some are, are doing much worse. And, and some, sometimes you can't control it. But I do think that there's, like, some similarities between a lot of these companies that are doing well and figuring things out and iterating along the way have that just, like, tenacity and it's just strong bond in the team that I know your team does. Uh, I just think so awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a blessing. We do have really strong colleagues, you know, and they're helping us, helping us build this. But there is a clarity, and I think you you have that kind of clarity in your company too. We have a clarity that says this is how we're going to do it or else it's okay. We're just not going to do it. Meaning we're going to strive to show each staff member and each guest that they have infinite dignity and worth. And we're not perfect. We're going to make a mistake, you know, cook a cheeseburger bad, whatever it may be. We're going to make up for it. And it's a, it, and we always say it's okay to make a mistake. It's, it's not okay to not care. So we work on that every week. We talk about it. We talk, we praise the people that are doing it really, really well. And we emulate them in our, yeah. on our team. And it's just a, you have to be a dog with a bone. Some people say it, it's the bone we're going after is we want you to feel loved when you're on property, period. Awesome. Done. So we're sitting here like, you know, early July. Are you seeing weddings happen right now or are we not there yet? No, I mean, we're in New Jersey for our situation. So we have a lot of maybe perhaps more restrictions in some parts of the country. Uh, we're allowed to do outdoor dining and that's actually doing well. We're because of the, just a quick sidebar, because of the scale of the properties we're looking at these days and the ones we own now, they're so big that we've actually been able to exceed the CDC 
separation requirements outdoors. I mean, I always say we have like a five acre outdoor dining area. I mean, it's ridiculously, ac- and I'm accurate when I'm saying that. You can come see it today. I'm look, it's over my shoulder now. You can't even see the end of it. It's so far. So spacing and outdoor and fresh air is working out in our favor right now. That's awesome. But we have no indoor anything right now, except for guest rooms. Legally, you are allowed to sell a guest room. You just can't eat in the guest room, in the, in the hotel. But uh, uh, yeah, weddings are coming. They're coming. You think you're, you think you're a month or two out till the I, first wedding? We had had all of them move. We were really tenacious. We offered everybody to move. We did. We were super accommodating. And they took August. We're worried about the August. And we're, we're starting to call the people now in July and say, you know, please find more alternatives. Take more alternatives. We'll be flexible as much as you want. And the, tri- the challenge will be New Jersey did just slow down its opening of indoor de- dining. So for right now, the first wedding is going to be like a seriously scaled down wedding. It's happening next weekend. And it's going to be outdoor, so it's going to follow all the CDC rules mm-hmm. outside. It's not going to be what they asked for. It's going to be as best as we can. But, no, we see probably the fall. Sadly, the fall is probably a safer date. Um, could you talk folks through – I love just something you do with your business model where you have not just one but like three or four different venues. Oh, that's right. Which is so interesting. And not, I mean you could have never predicted this, but it gives you this incredible flexibility so that – you can actually like double up, uh, triple up, quadruple up probably because basically you've kind of gone, you know, flat, flat line to zero, but then you're going to probably gonna have cr- a-, a ton of weddings all at once. Is yeah. that your point? Oh my that is gosh. my point. Yeah. And your other comment about the multiple venues and that that was a new revelation to me. So I, we came from a property that always had one venue for the whole resort. And we did really well. We were we were cranking with weddings in my, when I was a minority partner. And then when we got to be the sponsoring partner of these projects, the new projects, nature gave us a big property. We, we found a super distressed property, happened to be called Renault, Renault, as you know. But it had so many venues. And then it had approximately 30,000 square feet of unused space. Because, you know, over the years, it went from a wine production facility in the 1800s down to a restaurant. And they didn't need all that space. So they actually used it for massive quantities of storage, or as other people might call it, hoarding. So when we said we're buying this, we always find a way to monetize every space. And we found so many interesting spaces to monetize. Today, we have four operating venues with restaurant kitchens attached. And we're probably going to bring on a fifth one because we don't need as much facility for uh, production of wine. So we're going to turn one of the I call it the winemaker hall. It's going to look really awesome for a, the right bride that wants that kind of urban, kind of uh, machinery-based event. And, and, and if I you got this right, you even put up a tent. We did, and create you know, which I don't know what a tent in the gardens, place, but uh, you know, to create another venue space. The reason I'm bringing this up is it's it's so interesting. You know, real estate investors do this all the time, where they they buy an asset and they figure out how. You know, how can we add top line revenue? Yeah, like what is this? How do we structure this better? How do we get more money for utilities, for the water bills? Or, you know, hey, there's some, I just walked a building, there was was 40 garages just sitting there, unrented. And I said, yeah, can we rent the garages out for goodness sakes? Like someone's got to park a car. Let's rent out the garages. They're just sitting there and they're with like crap in them. Um, That's going to make that guy (laughs) a lot of money, you know? Each one's going to rent for a hundred bucks, four grand, 50 grand over the course of a year, but then you throw it at a normal cap rate, those garages are worth like 
Well, you've just flew through a very interesting premise that I I, I guess your listeners talk about a lot of times, which is the way cash flow gets capitalized when you um, are in the commercial real estate world. It's so different than the house, right? Yeah. But in the commercial world, that that shed or that garage you found uh, is going to trans. It's going to force so much appreciation. You just calculated roughly six hundred grand. So that's found equity in a sense. Yeah. That, in, that, in forty crappy garages that amazing that someone's just sitting there. Uh, and by the way, the, I think the whole asset the guy's buying for like four to five million dollars, right? So it's not that it's a cheap asset, but to to throw another seven hundred k that's just sitting there. That, that's what gets interesting is when things trade at these cap rates. Even little tiny changes in a couple hundred dollars here, a thousand dollars here a month can make a huge difference. And uh, it's just awesome what you're doing. And in our business, it's a blend. We're real estate based, which makes us all, we can all understand the type of projects I'm doing. First of all, we've all been to a hotel resort, but we also can understand there's rent, there's land that has value. There's buildings. But then there's this other thing that we are a strong operating business too. Now, there's going to be the investor who says, I want a storage building because it has almost no operations and seems to be consistent. And that's wonderful. And that's a very good hedge on, on inflation. It's a good, safe investment. What we're doing, though, has higher yield. It does. And it has higher operational challenge, but it has higher yield and higher wealth creating ability because we can. There's a picture on my wall. I'm going to show it to you, Chad. It's this. You'll love it. What lever can we pull? to bring in more revenue. And that's how we think. So I put these up all around. I, I say, what other lever can we pull down? Because if we can generate 15,000 more NOI, we've just added more equity to our investors. That's amazing. Um, I want to shift to Kent Manor, a project just outside Annapolis. Um, I've been there a couple of times. I, I love, I like Renault. I think Kent Manor is better. Uh, this is just me. Uh, I know it's, for you, it's probably like having kids, right? You love them all. But uh, Annapolis is where people go to get married. I don't know if you've heard. It's ironically uh, true. Uh, and so it's a killer location to be right on the water. I don't know how many acres, but more than you can see. 226. You 200. can't really walk it efficiently. Uh, on the water. And maybe just give folks a, an idea of Here's what I'd love for you to tell is how you were interested in this project before COVID okay, and then sure. how you were able to kind of renegotiate the, the deal terms. Because I think I get a lot of people asking me, like, are things going to be available that weren't available before? Well, you know, Warren Buffett does say buy when people are, are nervous and, and sell when they're greedy. You know, so we're, we're, we're doing the right thing as far as good foundational real estate acquisition. The deal beforehand was fine. It was actually excellent. We were buying a property that, like you said, was trading on very thin margins. Therefore, it wasn't worth what we think it's worth. And so we even negotiated that down by a 10%. I think we got a 10% renegotiation down before COVID. After COVID, the price went down another 10% because of just the, the change in the economy. And more importantly, the terms got better. So we had two successful wins with the COVID situation. So without, without hurting the seller, we were able to find the, the, the real thin edge, the thin edge that was the right a number for us and as good as they could get down to. And it was doable. The deal was doable. So the deal did change. It took those months of waiting to see what the economy is doing. Now, let's let's back up. The reason the deal got better financially for us is because hospitality is in a bad spot right now. 
And um, I think every listener knows that, that they've been hearing that who knows when commercial or corporate business is going to come back? Who knows when hotels are going to run at strong, stable revenues again? Restaurants aren't even open in states like mine. I mean, it's just crazy. This is a difficult time to be in hospitality, which as soon as I hear that, I start thinking of the Warren Buffett idea that there's intrinsic value in these buildings that are going to probably take a major haircut right now. So then you say, well, what if we, all, we went out and bought them all or bought some of them? If you don't have the model we do, you may actually have to bleed for a while, but then eventually get stable. We're buying things that are distressed. So distressed in a distressed market means that we're probably buying already below market at a secondary discount, which is good. It's a little hedge. But more importantly, and you love this part, we don't we buy things that are obsolete. They call it functional obsolescence. So they're in the right location, they have the right interest and demand on the internet. But when people show up to buy them or rent them or buy a wedding there, they don't like them because they're not designed correctly for today. So what we do is we actually invest in real estate construction or renovation. So because we're in the renovation business as well as this whole restoration process, we're, we delay revenue. So if we were to buy any asset today, there will be a delay in the revenue uptick for at least 12 to 18 months. And that's part of our plan. So when you look at a COVID world, where COVID is going to have a heavy, little bit of a heavy cloud over hospitality for at least at least the rest of this year and into next year, our model says we will not have good revenue until the end of next year. And that's irrelevant of COVID because we're going to do the construction, we're going to make them repurposed, and we're repurposing them into a market called weddings that is staying strong, relatively strong. And the other big thing about weddings that you and I talk about And I'll go back to your story that you said one of our team members was at Kent six months ago complimenting the bride who was thinking of buying there. See, if that bride would have bought there, this is the craziest part, Chad. She would have probably been buying for a wedding in 2021 or 2022. The money when we buy the business gets credited to us, the acquirer. Now we have, so it actually shrinks our cash requirement. So the more weddings we could have helped them sell while we were in negotiation, the better for you and I, technically. Amazing. And the other, the other magic trick of resorts that are based on pre-contracted guaranteed revenue, which is what a wedding is, means that we will start putting in, in tons of cash. So during this 18-month period of construction, we will not be able to sell the room. Like you won't be able to actually what's called revenue. But you'll be able to take thousands, like $20,000 checks, $15,000, $30,000 checks. To reserve future. To reserve. So that revenue doesn't hit the book as a PL yet, but it hits the book called a balance sheet bank account. So bank accounts grow on the working capital while we own businesses, while we're over here spending money on capital improvement. Lots of fancy terms there. Do not worry, guys. Just think of it this way is there's a lot of interesting ways that we um, have no, kind no, of refined I mean, just, this model. Yeah. I mean, just to sum it up, I, I think what's fascinating there is a couple of things. One is while like now is actually the best time for someone like yourself to buy an asset like this, because if you're going to go do a deep renovation and you're going to basically put it on ice for six months, 12 months, whatever, what better time to do it than now? <laughs> right? Ironic, it's ironically exactly true. What you're saying uh, is exactly true. You know, and so you're going to put it on ice. You're going to go renovate it. And then I, I love how on the flip side, I, I hadn't even quite um, thought this through, but by book, you're going to still be able to book 
weddings for the future. And actually you're seeing sales are, are as strong as ever. So your sales team will take over, show renditions of what this is going to become and be able to book the wedding. And if you're getting half that revenue up front, actually your, your, you know, your balance sheet revenue isn't going to look too bad. <laughs> yeah. Your balance sheet goes up. Your revenues kind of don't happen yet. They just wait. Right. But, but your overall asset, meaning you and I are asset buyers. And so are the people that join us. The assets in a safe spot, right? It, 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 it's in a sense, it's well capitalized. So yeah. that's what you want when you're buying a partner partnership deal like with us. You want to see, um, make sure the asset's safe and make sure I get the returns of my money in a consistent way. It's great, man. I, uh, so Kent Manor, you have it under contract. You're now yep. starting to look for folks who may want to invest in the project. Is that? Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, uh, Great, great comment. Um, no, we have. As a matter of fact, we've already initiated. We are always very faithful. So we have a lot of families that joined us. We have accredited investor uh, business. Um, what do you call it? PPMs? So our way of raising money is 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 somewhat limited. You have to have that significant income, several hundred thousand dollars. If you're married, I believe it's three hundred thousand, but uh, or a million dollars of assets, and sometimes that it's accumulated by your rental home or your IRA account might have some money in it. So we are accredited investors only. And uh, we had a, a, a large list of good people. So when we sent it out and said, anybody want to make a reservation, this is not binding, but it's a reservation. Before Corona, we brought in many millions of dollars of paper commitments. And then we thought Corona would destroy that. We thought it would go down. We're now a week ago, so early July, we sent it out again, said now we have it under contract with better terms and slightly better price, and the number was higher on the reservation. So back in the winter when everybody thought the world was great, we got a lot of money. When we sent it out again, we got a slightly higher amount of commitments. And so we're in this process of a very successful launch of another fund. That's awesome. And, and roughly how much money do you think you'll raise? Well, okay, now you're asking a great question. So this project is a generational project. So over the course of time, there'll be multiple phases. But we don't ever promise anything beyond the current renovation. We, we, don't, we don't try to tease you or make you think sure. the numbers are magical. Phase one is what we do is we call anything functionally obsolete, we fix. That's what we call phase one. Phase two is land development or expansion of business plans. And this would be like condos right in the water, right. additional a marina, hotel units, that kind of stuff. A resort. I mean, the property is 226. You're going to love this. Not only is it 226 acres, it's 1.7 miles of waterfront. So you and I buy a beach house and we get 55 feet. We think we're, <laughs> we're killing it, right? 1.7 miles of walking it's around the, bay. the water. I mean, that's welcome to being exactly. in the bay. It's, it's one of the more fascinating things is that the bay just has more waterfront territory than the beach does. Uh, and of course, you and I are not. Uh, the good news is, like I just quickly said, these future generational developments are not promised. They're not even in the pro forma. So yeah. we can live without them. We do obviously anticipate developing over time. So in the phase one, we're releasing this in a very interesting way. You're going to love this. I know you and I don't have much time, but we're releasing a fund called Capital H3. And this fund has a little bit of internal diversification. It'll be anchored by the acquisition of Kent and the families who invest will have direct ownership through the fund of all the real estate. But they will get other benefits. They will get two diversification strategies. We'll have, see, our businesses are relatively operational. So we wanted to, we often are out there looking for 
green energy and cost-saving initiatives. And we looked to other lending partners to do that. So I said, what if we could give that profit of the lending partnership to our own fund and give it to our investors? So we're going to do that. So part of this fund will have some diversification with green initiatives that are cash flow positive. And two, it'll have some lending initiatives for opportunistic business acquisition. So there are two to, types to of allow you to, For example, get, get a property under contract. Yes. Um, you know, by putting 500K down or something as you a short-term loan kind of into that project. So this fund will own all of Ken. It'll also have some steady cash flow coming in from let, whether it be a lease of a solar package or whatever. And it'll also have this relatively hard money lending program, kind of like a note program like all our friends have. Yep. But it's it's going to be opportunistic notes that help overall revenue of the businesses. So it's, it's a very like a, interesting it's ecosystem. Like a, like a three to four million dollar raise or so? Actually, the, the whole fund will not be seeking to fund in one tranche. We'll only take enough capital to do our projects. But the fund will be opened up for about 10 million. And we'll seek installments. Like for tomorrow, we may only release $3 million because we only need $3 million right now. And then as time goes on, when construction develops, we might release another $2 million. So there's there's a sense of urgency where we, right now, we're releasing some equity. In the future, we may not. Right. And you don't want to be sitting on money, I guess. Correct. Right. We don't want to sit on for, any money. So, any, so what we'll do is this one will have uh, something called a subscription. Not to be too technical, but you'll be able to say, I'd like 200,000 of this fund, and I'd like to put in 100,000 right now, but I want that commitment on the other 100. <laughs> so we'll be, so that'll be Jen Smith. She'll be able to say, we'll be able to say to her, well, you've already committed to another 100. We'll need that next year. Are you ready? So there's that kind of what's called a subscription agreement, but it won't all, we won't draw down all of it at once. Yeah. We'll be efficient with our money. Josh, man, I, I mean, it is awesome. Uh, resort number two that you're going after, and I, I have no doubt you're going to do 100. We really are. And, and we did have, a, we brought on an analyst team and a lending team. And, and so they're, they're actually, there are a few more of these wonderful Kent properties out there that are going to be brought to us. Challenges is most of them are independently owned and, and they don't fit the Marriott model because they're not big enough. So we live in a spot where we're not being competed against by Marriott and we're not, and we're far more sophisticated than grandpa. Yep. Grandpa was great 30 years ago, and now he's tired of his resort. Yep. And we're ready to buy it from grandpa. Yeah, and each one's going to require, it's like, an, it's like a painting, right? I mean, you're going to have to go in and really think through, how do we do this? It's not templatized. It's not a Hampton Inn. Right? That's true. You are right. That's why we built a, a construction company as well, which, which is led by a design team, so that they can go in. We always know what we're looking for, and it's revenue-based renovation. But we'll talk about that some other time. It's awesome, Josh. Hey, if folks are interested in learning more about Kent Manor or just talking to you more, how, what's a good way to, to reach you? Uh, well, you and I know the, the fastest way might be email. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, I'd like to at least get an information package or find out more, the best email to use is hackers, kind of like real estate hackers, but hackers at accountableequity.com. Accountableequity.com spelled out. That's awesome. Uh, if you have my email, you can always email me and I'll, I'll connect you personally to Josh. Um, I, I'm a big fan. I, I tell people, one thing we like to do is invest in people who we want to learn from. Because uh, I do believe in that, like when you invest in something, you then learn from the business in a different way. And man, I, I just think, I don't, I don't, you're a good person to learn from. <laughs> like oh, you're sweet. doing some great stuff. 
uh, we've, we've learned a lot. We took our whole leadership team to your place, as you mentioned, um, and, are, and are thrilled to be along for the ride and, uh, and make some money along with you. So thanks for joining us uh, today. You're a good dude. Great team. Uh, if you get a chance to see Josh or go to Kent Manor or Renault, uh, it's something you should do. Uh, I think you should invest too, but at the very least, go see what he's up to and you'll learn something, I think, along the way. You know, Chad, it's a pleasure to know you, buddy. Thanks for all these great conversations. Yeah, man, this is awesome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for a good episode here and uh, stay safe, guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. I have one more request. If you like this show, could you just please give us a review on Apple Podcasts? I'd really, really appreciate it so more investors can hear about us. Follow us at Real Estate Hackers on Instagram if you're cool like my wife. And if you have a great real estate hack, hit me up. Maybe we'll get you on this show. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Eric and team are unbelievable. Thanks for all you do for the show. See you soon.